Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you, broadcasting live from Social Security Works here in Washington, D.C., with the great Alex Lawson here in the studio with me. Hey, Alex. Hey, Tom. Thanks for uh, joining us here at Social Security Works' office. It's I'm, great. I'm very impressed that you're able to do this from our tiny little office here. Yeah, and we're f- and, and hopefully we're figuring out our audio stuff. I mean, it's there's going to be a little bit of audio echo and whatnot, but yesterday, and my apologies again to our stations and to our listeners, um, uh, I kept getting tweets and things from people going, it, you're using the camera's microphone, stop. And, and it turned out they were right. And it was uh, setting in the camera, and it was my fault, and I'm really sorry. But anyhow, we're going to do it right today, and hopefully this sounds a lot better. So, Alex, the, the, the Republicans are moving full steam ahead, and Marco Rubio has even basically come out and said, you know, in fact, if I could just even back up a little bit. You're familiar with Jude Wininski's Two Santa Claus Theory that he published back in 77? I'm not. Jude Wininski was the co-founder of the Heritage Foundation in 72 or 71, whatever, you know, after the Parliament Law. And, um, uh, and he, he, he authored this piece in the Wall Street Journal called The Two Santa Clauses. And what he suggested was that when Republicans come to power, damn the debt and the deficit. But he said he identified the problem. The problem was that since the Great Depression, Democrats have been Santa Claus. They've given us Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, long-term unemployment insurance, workers' protection, no more child labor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Republicans have always been Scrooge, yelling, we can't afford that, we can't afford that. So he said, Republicans have to have, they have to figure out a way to be Santa Claus, and they have to force Democrats to shoot the Democratic Santa Claus, to kill him. And he said the easy way to do that is whenever Republicans are in power, run the debt up as hard, as far, and as fast as you can, and with tax cuts, because you're the Santa Claus of tax cuts. And everybody will think the Republican Party is Santa with tax cuts. Wonderful. And then once a Democrat comes into power, start screaming about the deficit that you created and say, we can't afford things, and use that to cut Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, etc. I mean, he published this in 1977. Ronald Reagan used it as a Bible for eight years. Um, and And somewhat in the George Bush administration, but I've not seen such a naked manifestation of Jude Wininski's Two Santa Claus Theory ever in my life, except this last week. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. That is what they do. Uh, The wrinkle here is that usually, like the Bush tax cuts were huge tax cuts for the billionaire class, but they at least understood they needed to give some tax cuts to non-billionaires. You know, Bernie shamed them into that $300. Everybody gets 300 bucks in 2002. Yeah. Bernie, uh, or yeah, whatever, year, the, the early one. The early one. Um, Bernie proposed that, and Bush adopted it. But forgive my interrupting. No, and, and but there's nothing like that here. Like this, so we have to adjust the two Santa Claus uh, theory because this they're now just Santa Claus- only for the oligarchs. Like this is literally a giveaway to billionaires uh, and but the, the second oligarchs. Part of the Santa Claus is forcing the Democrats to shoot Santa Claus, and that's what Marco Rubio was talking about. Is once this deficit starts going up, we're going to have to recalibrate or structurally fix Social Security and Medicare. I mean, yeah. that's essentially and what he said. I think he made uh, an unforced error there because they usually don't 
say what they're going to do, right? Um, we all know that's exactly what they're going to do, but he said it, uh, and so we should hold him to it. I want to be a little bit um, optimistic here, if that's all right with you. Sure, go for it. Because please, as oh, you you know, you, you've been fighting this. You you can remember. Uh, previous fights, usually there are actually bipartisan, unfortunately, support for these uh, tax handouts to billionaires, right? Usually they're able to bully some Democrats into supporting them. Uh, But this time we saw universal condemnation from the left. I mean, it's only at 22%. So you have a ton of uh, Republican base who hate this handout, but the Democrats held incredibly strong in the Senate. Not a single one of them even wavered and they lost one of theirs, right? So there was bipartisan opposition to the tax scam coming out of the Senate. Uh, I think that is meaningful because there's already a wobble on it going into conference, which is what they're doing now. You know, conference. Let's explain uh, what conference is. Yeah, conference being the the time when the House passed something, the Senate passed something. And they're different. And they're different. They're actually wildly different this time. The conference is where you take those two things and you take elements from both of them. You you get get like eight, eight... Eight people from the Senate, eight people from the House, or six, or right. whatever, whatever they, however big they decide the conference to be. Those are called the conferees, mm-hmm. the people who are on the conference committee, and their job is to mix those two bills into one that is acceptable to both chambers. Which then the bill goes back to each chamber who have to pass it again, unless, unless the conference, or actually this would be a vote in the House. The House can vote to do one of two things: right, either to establish a conference committee, which we just described. Or to simply accept the Senate bill. If they just accept the Senate bill, there's not even, I mean, that's it. It's true. It goes right to the president. So let me uh, back up uh, slightly on this because on Friday, last Friday, they were saying that they had that. They were saying that the House was just going to pass the Senate version uh, and they were going to zoom it to the president's desk. He was going to sign it and it was a done deal. And they were pretending that it was all there. That would have been an incredible loss, right? Because that would have been, the momentum from that would have been huge. It didn't make that much sense because the House Republican caucus is, they hate each other most of all, right? I mean, it is chaos. So if they had gotten them all on board, it would have been a real show of strength. They were lying, um, which is what they do. And they had to admit that and move it to conference. And then yesterday they voted um, to move it to conference, 6 p.m. yesterday, 8.30, they chose the conferees. And so now we know. So, they, so, they, so we are going to conference. We're going okay, to I, conference. I, I, I yep. missed that. You know, in, in all the just kind of mad, general madness of traveling here. Now, what you say is still absolutely true, that in their back pocket the whole time, if conference fails, the House can just pass the Senate version. That's what, they're, that's what they always have in their back pocket. But um, there's so much here. Good luck with that, right? Good luck with that. And then, I don't know, did you see this one? This was amazing. Uh, they, they passed this thing in the middle of the night. They were actually writing handwritten oh, notes, yeah. right? Yeah, did, you, did you see that they forgot to adjust the alternative minimum corporate tax? So they lowered the rate to 20. They forgot to move the AMT down again. So they actually eliminated all corporate deductions accidentally in the Senate version. Oh, my God. So it's, it's being... All corporate, you mean, you mean I can't, as a, as a business person, you and I both run businesses, that we can no longer deduct meals or... You can't go below travel. that 20, right? So like there's nothing, there's no... You could do as many deductions as you want, it'd be 20, or you could do no deductions and it'd be 20. And the big corporations who they wrote this thing they're for... freaking out. So there is no way, this is a theory... But it would be they don't want to pass the Senate version now. They basically have to have some way of changing it because they made an enormous error in rushing this out the door. That is mind boggling. Now, you know, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, had something like 50, 60, 70 public hearings and debates and committee and every place else. This has not had one. Not one. Not one. No public hearings, no debate. No honest discussion, even with their own members. They literally were writing things on it and passing it. Right. And, and, and these are the same Republicans for, who, for the last six, seven years, have been screaming that Obamacare was passed in the dead of night over our dead bodies, and, which was complete BS. But that's, you know, 
That's what they're doing. Yeah. They always do that, though. Their projection is very strong. Oh, yeah. Sigmund Freud has so much fun with these guys. So much fun. I, I will point out this AMT mistake. It does. I have this mantra that I remember as we're fighting these guys because there is like real evil involved in this. Real people will be hurt. Uh, so you get like in your brain, oh, well, maybe they planned it. But the it's always Veep. It's never House of Cards. That's my mantra. Always ah. Veep, never House of Cards. Okay, I've never watched Veep, and I've only seen one episode of House of Cards. So I'll have to, well, you'll have to explain it to me off you. We'll back. Alex Lawson is here with us at Social Security Works in Washington. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be back with Alex Lawson in just a minute. I'll be picking up your calls at the bottom of the hour, by the way. Okay, welcome back. Um, Alex, just continuing, continuing the conversation. Any idea how that screw-up happened? Uh, it was, they were rushing. Uh, so they knew that they had very tenuous yeses from a few of the senators, right? right? Collins, they basically lied to her and said, oh, yeah, we'll definitely get your thing in the CR and the continuing resolution. Right. They had very tenuous yeses. Well, and Jeff Flake, he wanted right. some kind of DACA commitment. Oh, yeah, don't worry. We'll take care. I mean, Mitch McConnell lying through his teeth. At Jeff exactly. Flake. They were lying as fast as they could. And they knew that if they had enough time, even a minimum amount of pressure on any of these lies, and they would have blown up so they were just they rushed it as quickly as possible because of some of those promises they had to find money and to find money they were also you know you have a bunch of staffers saying okay here this they put the amt back in and forgot to adjust it so it's just it's a mistake the mantra of always veep never house of cards is don't look for these guys to be geniuses playing chess um, this town is a comedy it's a it's a scary comedy sometimes but they're bumbling through this. They don't have any grand design here, and you should. Well, think they do actually. It's you know, it's give, just overt. Give five trillion dollars to the billionaire class right. and the multinational corporations over a ten-year period, and then after that ten-year period, you know, vacuum up as much of that money as you can from people who make less than seventy thousand dollars a year. Exactly. Uh, what I mean is, they're not playing forty-two dimensional chess. Um, no. It is checkers, and the game of their checkers is to give your money to the billionaires on Wall Street. They only have one move, reach their hand into your pocket and give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street, yeah. just over and over and over again. Yeah, and, and this, is a, this is an old song. I mean, I, uh, last week I read on the air an eight, uh, 17, no, 1898 speech, back then from the Civil War until... The, until Teddy Roosevelt became president. Mm -hmm. They referred, Republicans referred to this as the horses and sparrow theory. Are you familiar with this? No. Oh, it was, it was, everybody in America knew during that 50 year period, basically, you said horses and sparrow, they knew exactly what, what you and I know if you say trickle down economics. Mm. The horses and sparrow theory was that if you feed the horses oats, the horses will poop about half those oats undigested, and the sparrows love to peck the undigested oats out of the, out of the, the horse patties, you know, the cow uh -huh. patties, you know, the, and, and that the horses are the aristocracy and the sparrows are the average working people. And uh, so give the oats to the, to the horses. That's right. So that's, that's, give, the, give the oats to the Koch brothers and the other billionaires and, you know, they'll buy things and that will put people to work and then people will have jobs. I mean, that's the theory, right? Right. And it, and it wasn't true in the 1870s, and it's not true now. And, I mean, you can go even further back and be like, yeah, and they also had it back in the Middle Ages or the Dark Ages that you should hoover the wealth up from the people to the aristocracy. It's the job of the sheriff of Nottingham. Exactly. It's the same thing. There is an upward redistribution of wealth because the takers in our society are the billionaire class. They're leeches. They don't create anything. They just hoover wealth up from working people who are the creators of all wealth. Um, so they only got one game. Rob the American people to give to the criminals on Wall Street who hide that money in the Cayman Islands. Right. And hoovering. Great word because it was Herbert Hoover who presided over the last big tax cut that brought us the Great Depression. That's amazing. Alex Lawson with the Social Security Works. We'll be right back. Everybody's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that one of the most powerful superfoods you can put into your body is beets? 
They're loaded with an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to eat a pita pile of beets every day? Not me. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful, concentrated superfood drink, Super Beets. Only Super Beets is made from beets grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Super Beets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeets.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of Super Beats for free, plus indicator strips to see how Super Beats is working for you, and free shipping. So call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. That's 800-568-9889, tomsbeats.com on the interwebs. Alex Lawson with me at Social Security Works. Thank you again, Alex, for this uh, studio, this uh, office space. It's, it's great having you with us. So Marco Rubio, is he going to pay a political price for this, number one? Uh, or is the news media going to succeed in, in basically making it invisible? Because most of, the, most of the media in our country is owned by corporations who want their big tax cuts. Yeah. And this would be a very inconvenient thing for Comcast or Time Warner or you know, any other, I don't, what, ABC, uh, Disney owns ABC, mm -hmm. I think. You know, those companies, they have literally at least tens, probably hundreds of billions of dollars on the line in this thing. So, you know, I, I'm just astonished. You know, it's like when, when Barack Obama said people cling to their guns and their religion, it went just absolutely exploded, you know, just exploded. And, and, and that wasn't even a public speech. I mean, it was a private venue with leak audio. Marco Rubio comes right out and says, next we're going after Social Security and Medicare. And I've only seen it, I haven't seen it anywhere in the corporate media. I've, I've heard a reference to it a couple of times. Of course, you know, I've been traveling, I don't watch that much TV, but what's, what's this going to mean, number one, and, and what are your thoughts on that little rant I just did? And number two, uh, what about other Republicans? I mean, where's this going? So the corporate media want this more than anything, uh, the tax scam, because they're the oligarchs. I mean, they're the propaganda of, of the oligarchs, of the billionaire class. This is for them. Uh, and if you look, if you just do a really quick look across the news media, they are ignoring it. They are, it's like it's already done, right? They've moved on to the next story because they want this thing to pass. Hundreds of billions easily. Uh, and... Increased power, increased uh, money for them, increased con concentration. So this is what they want. But the American people are starting to wise up to this. They have truth tellers like you. They go to other sources uh, to find out what's actually happening. And, you know, in my day job at Social Security Works, we will do literally everything we can to make every Republican held accountable to what Marco Rubio said. We will be going to every single district that we can until we'll spend until our last penny to get the word out about what's going on. And when we go out into the country and we say they're coming for your social security, people are pissed. And then we take that outrage and we bring it back here. So we will make them pay a political price. And this fight is not over. People have to understand that it's all about this projection from them right now that, oh, it's done and we've got this and all. It's not over. We have to hammer every crack that we see in their edifice, right? In their, oh, we're all united on this. They're not united. The Freedom Caucus in the House, they hate Susan Collins. They hate that Collins compromise. We have to take that crack and hammer it. We have to create these uh, divisions within their party and let their chaos take the whole thing down. So what's the best way that somebody who's, who's listening to the show right now can do that? Call your member of Congress. Call the senators. Um, call your senators. Call your member of Congress. Um, if you go to Social Security Works uh, on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, we have a graphic that has uh, the 32 most vulnerable Republican uh, House members with their phone numbers. Just call them. Uh, that I, I don't want to go too deep into it, uh, but... The Republicans in blue states, because blue states are getting punished by Donald Trump in this, right? Right. Uh, so the you can no longer deduct your income tax, your state income tax. Right. And uh, so any Republicans in California, New York, you know, anywhere, yeah. uh, we can well, hammer it's not, them. And it's not just entirely blue states. Probably about half the red states have state income taxes too. I mean, there's there's a 
I think there's only six or eight states that don't have a state income tax. But I, I do think concentrating on California and New York, because there's enough re Republican members in those two states to kill this thing. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to get hammered the hardest. Yeah. So call your members of the House of Representatives. This is now, well, it's also, you know, if it comes out of conference, it's going to go back to the Senate, too. I mean, both the House and the Senate are going to have to vote on it. Definitely. So. And Susan Collins has already uh, acknowledged that she is not a for sure yes on what comes back from conference. So we have to remember we only need three no's in the Senate. So Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski. Lisa Murkowski was bought totally paid for by the Anwar stuff, right? That's her thing. Right. Um, but if they take that out, um, we should still call her and we should say, you know, your your vote was bought. That's just, that's ugly. You're, you're right. stealing people's health care for this. But Jeff Flake, John McCain, he did it, you know, he voted right one time. Uh, Corker was the no, so we should continue to make sure that we put pressure there. And then in the House, we should pressure everybody in the blue state. The conferees are selected. So, and I, I think that when they're in conference, they represent all of us, right? Those members who are in that conference working on those bills. Do we know who the conferees are? We know who the House conferees are. I, don't, I couldn't list them right are now. Are they on your website? They're on our Facebook page, yeah. Um, Let me see if I can find that. And, uh, I mean, I can definitely get it to you uh, in the break. I think that we should call all the conferees. I think that at that point, they definitely work for every American as they're deciding what's in this bill. Mm -hmm. uh, and we should hammer them uh, with saying, you know, do not advance this thing. Take out all of the bad stuff. Take out all of the, the, hand, uh, the handouts to billionaires and uh, really just hammer them and... and we want to knock it off track. We also do want to remove the worst we're things. Hit, we're hitting the break. I've got the list. I'll read it after we get off the air. I, I found it over on, uh, on Social Security Works' page on Facebook. Alex, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Tom. SocialSecurityWorks.org. To Tom we'll Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. And a lot of uh, Social Security Works' activity is Facebook.com slash Social Security Works all run together. We'll be back with your card. helps if I unmute my mic. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here in Washington, D.C. from the studios of Social Security Works. And Dave McCullough was just walking by. Dave was a regular on our TV show. He's been on the radio show before. Uh, he's a Republican strategist right. and, a, and, a, and a very decent man. I, you know, Dave and I, Dave and I have gotten to know each other. And, and it's, it is, you can tweet him at DT McCullough, MC. M-C-C-U-L-L-O-C-H. You right? got it. You got, got it. it. Okay. And uh, so, Dave, uh, you know, first of all, what are you up to these days if, if it's anything you want to talk about? And then I'd like to talk to you about Republican strategies. Sure thing. Uh, still doing a lot of work here. I get to work with a lot of uh, national nonprofit groups and political organizations. Don't do a whole lot of work on the Hill. Kind of keeps me away from some, some of that, that crazy stuff that, uh, that goes on, some of the crazy stuff of the White House. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly not necessarily the most fun time to be a Republican, but there's a lot of stuff going on. So I, I, I like to have the opportunity to be around it without having to be too deep in it. Right. So, so uh, as a Republican strategist, what the hell is the Republican strategy right now? I don't, you know, it, it, back in 2002, one or two, when, when uh, George W. Bush did that huge tax cut, they at least threw 300 bucks to every American. I mean, everybody got a check. In fact, there was a little card with the check that said, you're getting this check courtesy of George W. Bush, although it was Bernie Sanders' idea and he kind of shamed him into doing it. And quite publicly, if, if you recall. Um, but they're not even throwing the dog a bone. I mean, it's like, you know, yeah, in 10 years, your tax cuts are all gonna go away, average working person. We're gonna move $5 trillion to the top 1% and we're gonna take $3.8 trillion from the, or maybe I'm flipping my numbers, from the bottom, from anybody, from everybody who makes under hundred grand a year. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of different charts, and there's so many moving parts in this. It really is kind of complicated. And I right. realize, obviously, no matter what the Republicans do, chances are you and your your listeners are not going to necessarily like it. But you're right. But what I am, seeing, yeah, I, mean, I know the show. Uh, what, what I am seeing is that a lot of people in the middle class really do get a tax break for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, but then it goes away. But then it goes away, which is challenging and things that increase the deficit. I don't personally like ideas of, of increasing the deficit for, for taking a tax cut. Everyone wants a tax cut. But the idea of, 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 of going further in debt is not a sustainable solution. Well, and not everybody actually wants a tax cut. I mean, if, if I knew that if I paid even 10% more in taxes, 
that would mean that we would be back where Jack Kennedy was talking about we're going to land a man on the moon, only instead of putting a man on the moon, we were talking about we're going to we're going to change all of our rail systems. I mean, right now, because we privatized our rail back 50, 60 years ago, um, you've got companies that are owning rail lines. They own the rails and Amtrak can't go more than 70 miles an hour on them because they won't upgrade those rails. Uh, you know, every other country in the world has two and 300 mile an hour trains. If, if, and that's just one small piece of it. You know, if we were going to solarize America, if we were going to build out local power grids, which is all doable now. I mean, in the last two years, solar power and wind power are now, even with the subsidies that fossil fuels have, cheaper than fossil fuels. And if you take away the subsidies, they're half the cost of fossil fuels. So, you know, if my tax dollars were going to that kind of stuff, I'd have no problem with my taxes going up. And I think probably most Americans feel like that. I think a lot of Americans also feel that it's not necessarily the government's role to play in all those those different things. I, I like the idea of solar. I like the idea of wind. I like the idea of alternative energy sources that are not petroleum. I like the idea of saving the environment, but I like the idea of doing it with private investment, with with the free markets deciding what works and what doesn't, and not having the government interfere. That, and that's the difference between, I think, perhaps the more liberal idea and interpretation of, of what government's role is and a conservative one. Well, yeah. There, I mean, you and I have a disagreement about exactly wh what should be public and what should be private. But the fact of the matter is that the private business, the playing field of private enterprise, the, the playing field of private business is determined by the rule makers. You know, just like a football game is determined by the NFL, you know, Agreed. What, and, we know the rules? and we know who won. <laughs> right. And, and we have set up the rules right now to, to the point where worldwide we're handing five trillion dollars a year in subsidies to the fossil fuel industry. In the United States, it's, a, it's about a half a trillion dollars a year. I think 360 billion was the last number I heard of direct subsidies that are going, you know, the, the oil depletion allowance and all these other things. Uh, if we just did away with those, I mean, that's that's the heavy hand of government and 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 frankly, Republican government, Republicans love these subsidies for their fossil fuel donors. If we simply did away with those, I agree with you. The marketplace would say, what? Fossil fuels? What, are you nuts? The, the challenge is that once those things are in place, it's very difficult to remove, right. probably because of, of uh, influence and obviously the oil companies and stuff. They have a lot of influence with lobbyists all over the place and spending, right. I think, 18 or 20 or $50 million on, on lobbying expenses just last year. But at the same time, when you keep in mind all the people who are employed by the oil companies or even wind or alternative energy sources, that becomes a real challenge. If you take away those subsidies, you know those businesses shrink and all of a sudden a lot of people are out of, out, of, out of work. Right. But you know what the fastest growing industry in the United States in terms of job growth has been for the last, what, three, four years? It's been it's been clean energy. Which is great. I mean, it's huge. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we, we, I mean, we, we've so, even seen, we've seen subsidies for, for solar cylinder. That was probably not a very good example of that. But uh, then we see Tesla. It was, it was one out of, you know, three, three or four hundred yeah. companies that were subsidized. I mean, you're, you're always going to have some failures. Tesla's doing amazing stuff. But, um, but let's get back to Republican strategy here. Um, you were talking about how, uh, or I, I'm asking, I guess, how do you think the Republicans should play this, you know, this, or will play it, actually. I, you know, uh, it, 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 even, boy, I'm curious about so many things. You know, is Trump going to get impeached? <laughs> is Roy Moore going to get elected? And if so, what is that going to do to the Republican Party? Um, and, and, and whether this tax cut passes or fails to pass, it seems to me like in both cases, the Republicans get badly hurt. Well, one thing that Trump did get, uh, the president did get a, get a, a, a visible win because uh, of the, the, the bill that has been passed. It was basically some of a lot of his ideas. He said, well, we did this. We did this. It's not done yet. And we still don't know what's going to be in it. I'm a little bit nervous. I mean, I, I'm worried about certain tax cuts for me. I know some of my family members are worried about uh, middle-class tax cuts just as, as a homeowner. Uh, the state of California where I'm from originally, uh, you're worried about uh, state and local taxes being able to, be to deduct those, sure. whether your taxes are going to go up. There are some things we just don't well, this know. Is what, this is where I said they could be yeah. hurting themselves. Listen to this. This is a, a news story by Phil Hirshhorn on CNN. Uh, billionaire businessman Donald Trump has a plan to pay off the national debt, grant the middle class a tax cut, and keep Social Security afloat. Tax rich people like himself. Trump is proposing a one-time net worth tax on individuals and trusts worth $10 million or more. By Trump's calculation, his proposed 14.25% levy on such net worth would raise $5.7 trillion and wipe out the national debt in one fell swoop. The U.S. national debt, uh, then, then he says, quote, quoting Donald Trump. And this is not Andy Borowitz. This is an actual CNN story. <laughs> Important the, distinction. The caveat is it's a CNN story from 1999. The, quote, quoting Trump. 
No one has put forward a plan to make this country entirely debt-free as we enter the next millennium. The plan I am proposing today does not involve smoke, mirrors, phony numbers, financial gimmicks, or the usual economic chicanery you find in Disneyland on the Potomac. By my calculations, 1% of Americans who control 90% of the wealth in this country would be affected by my plan. The other 99% would get deep reductions in their, in their taxes. Trump also said depositing $100 billion annually in the Social Security Trust Fund would generate $3 trillion over the next 30 years. And there's a quote from Trump when the trust fund is scheduled to go broken and said, keep the fund solvent through the next century. So he wants to strengthen Social Security and tax the rich. What happened to that Donald Trump? Uh, that was 99? Yeah. I think Donald Trump's been a Democrat and Republican somewhere in between a lot since mm-hmm. then. I, I don't have a response because you know what? I don't even actually know if the president is really Republican. Yeah. I'm just blown away by the fact that, I mean, he, he rolled this thing out. Uh, he said, personally, this plan would cost me hundreds of millions of dollars, but in all honesty, it's worth it. That's a, a verbatim quote. Um, which is what he's saying now. I wonder if he thinks that this old plan of his is what the Republicans are passing. I think you're getting too far in, in, in the, the... Inside his head. Inside his head. <laughs> I mean, we could psychoanalyze his head. We go, well, what, what does he really want? I don't know what he really wants. I mean, yeah. I don't know what the pres- where the president stands on a lot of these things because, frankly, I don't know where the president is on anything. Amazing. Dave, we're, we're hitting the break here. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Tom. Dave McCullough, great having you with us. Uh, and you can tweet him at DT McCullough on Twitter. Dave, thank you. We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be right back with your calls. And welcome back. Let's pick up some phone calls here. Uh, Let's see. Rich in Mission Viejo, California. Hey, Rich, can you hear me? Hi. I really been wanting to talk to you again for a while, okay? But you, you had mentioned that there are a lot of Democrats that uh, that kind of support the bill, but nobody knows who these Democrats are. I, I would appreciate it if if somehow or other we could de- get that posted. And you know, I don't. I, to, of, Rich, to the best of my knowledge, there's not a single Democrat who supports this Republican tax scam. Okay, not one. But but what what what's also bothering me is is the fact that that. Uh, these wars never seem to end, and they never, they never, they're not paying for any of these wars, okay? And I don't even know why we're in these wars. I mean, we were attacked by, by, by uh, the Saudi Arabians in 9-11, okay? The Wahhabism was, was what started the madness in the uh, Madras schools, and basically we went to war with, uh, with the, uh, Iraq because uh, Israel wanted us to go to war with Iraq, and and uh, and the Saudis wanted us to go to war with Iraq. I mean, we're paying the tremendous thing, and kids are coming back maimed and crippled. And I mean, the amount of money, the treasure, and the amount of people that are being killed and destroyed. We don't we don't belong in these countries. If, if we put that money into into helping our American people, okay, we 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 would do a whole lot more. Yeah, I I completely agree, Rick, and and I think you said it. Very, very well. And, and, and like I said, to the best of my knowledge, there's not a single Democrat who supports this tax scam. Uh, thank you, thank you, Rich. Reuben in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hey, Reuben, what's on your mind today? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Good. Um, uh, next year, uh, the Chinese are about to uh, uh, put online the petrol wand. Uh, and the petrol wand is going to be backed by gold. And I was wondering what your perspective was and how it's going to impact the petrol dollar. Uh, since our, the My understanding is that uh, gold or currency, I mean, or gold or metal, but, um, but it's going to have an impact on the, uh, the nation uh, buying dollars to, uh, to, 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 to purchase oil and gas and everything and to invest in our country and, and to service our debt also. I was wondering what your perspective was. Ruben, it's, it's possible that I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. The stories that, uh, the current stories that China is talking about having a gold-based uh, petrodollar or petro-yen or petro-wan, I guess it would be, um, much like the stories from several years ago that the Saudis were going to, you know, well, they actually created a basket of currencies, but, but that they were going to try and turn that into the, the petroleum reserve, you know, currency for the world and whatnot. Uh, they're just not true. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, that's not what's happened. And, uh, but, the, but China's growing economic, and Ruben, thank you for the call. But China's, China's growing economic power 
is largely the result of America and Western Europe saying, yeah, we don't need to manufacture things anymore, particularly the United States. We don't need to manufacture things anymore. We'll let China be the manufacturing floor. And of course, manufacturing is what builds, to quote Adam Smith, the wealth of nations. We'll be back. Uh, Joe in Cupertino, California. Hey, Joe, what's on your mind today? Uh, you're really an inspirational force here. I wanted to say that in California 2018, we did get to move up our elections so that we're going to matter this time. I have the mm-hmm. 11 names out of the 32 Republicans that represent California that didn't that did vote for the red state tax plan. And you had pointed out that some of these people are sitting on the committees. Uh, two of them, Royce and Walters, are sitting on the committee to talk about the what is it, the SALT? And then you have McClintock, who's our, yeah. one of our favorite stingy guys that's uh, going to be doing Social Security along with a couple other guys. Um, Calvert, Cook, Denham, and Hunter. Calvert out of Riverside, Cook out of San Bernardino, and Denham out of Central Valley, and Hunter out of San Diego, along with Carthy and Nunes, Royce and Valdez, and Walters. These are all vulnerable Republicans, most from the Central Valley and the Southwest Riverside County area. It's important to realize, and you talk about this with Reagan, back in the 70s, a gentleman by the name of Howard Jarvis set the cap, Proposition 13, setting that poverty taxes at 1% and keeping the prices of homes fixed at that rate. Since two thousand or since 1972, the housing values in California have gone through the roof. Yet homeowners, of course, who had originally said we didn't want to pay any more taxes have been capped at that rate. So today, a house in two for two million bucks, which is pretty common here in my area, is paying twenty thousand dollars in property taxes per year, and they're writing that off. Um, I'm assuming, let's say, if you're making two hundred thousand a year, you're probably paying what a two hundred thousand uh, dollar a year job probably pays twenty thousand dollars in interest on that mortgage, writing that off. You probably live off of what a hundred sixty or less a year before taxes. I mean, after taxes. And so now with this implementation, I think for a lot of people in California, it's going to require uh, either the selling of your home or you're going to have to move out of state. And another thing is in California, we have what you call Prop 60, which is if I bought my home, let's say before 72 and I live in it and I want to move from my house, let's say I bought it $60,000 in 72 and I want to move to a nicer house in the same county or a county that has a reciprocal agreement, I get to take my property taxes with me. So I buy a house for $500,000 in a nicer community. I'm only going to have to pay property taxes based on what it was when I originally purchased a house in the state of California in a county that had a reciprocal agreement or in the same county. So now you can understand why our school system under Reagan's tutelage and all the other infrastructure has been glazed upon the current homeowners of the California residents. And this is really going to impact everything. Uh, You talked about the Municipal Bond Act. I'm just saying that the whole real estate industry in California, which is a major driver for the nation, is going to be topsy-turvy. And so, I I mean, I really don't think these 11 Republicans have a a Chinaman's chance and excuse the, 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 the term here, but I mean, it's not going to work. So the seventh yeah. largest in the economy is going to go down the tubes because what? They can't, they can't read the bill first. Up to you. Right. I, I, to you. I, I don't disagree, Joe. And, and uh, you know, an interesting part of the backstory of Prop 13, Howard Jarvis was a businessman, and they sold Prop 13 on this little old lady who had her house and the taxes kept going up and she couldn't afford to keep the house. And, in fact, her name was fairly well known back in the 70s. I don't remember it now, but it was a big deal. And um, but it turned out that Howard Jarvis understood something he understood and the people who put the millions and millions of dollars into Prop 13 into getting that ballot initiative on the ballot and getting it passed. What they all understood was that the average homeowner in America buys or sells a house every seven years or moves every seven years. That's the average. You know, some people move every three, four, five years. Some people move every 10, 12, 15 years. You know, my dad didn't move for 40 years. But seven years is the average. But when you took it, when you're looking at businesses that own property as opposed to renting property, it tends to be more like every 30 or 40 years. And uh, for businesses that like have built their own factories, built their own facilities, things like that. And this froze business property taxes too. So you've got businesses that have been sitting at the 1974 tax rate for 40, 50, 60 years, however many years that is from then until now. And, and uh, just, you know, raking it in like bandits 
Meanwhile, in the individual housing market, yeah, if you can if you can work the game, if you can, you know, like you said, move from one county to another that's got a reciprocal deal where you still get Jarvis's tax cut, you're in good shape. But most people are buying and selling their houses, and every time you buy or sell a house, of course, it it no longer has that Prop 13 protection. So it turned out that this was just another huge multi, actually a multi-trillion dollar transfer of money from the taxpayers of California to the very wealthiest business people in California. Is is what I'm saying, Joe, does that comport with your understanding of Prop 13? That this has been the problem for so long. I mean, I'm trying to look at the silver lining here since I don't really see this tax cut going away. But I mean, we haven't been able to get the people in California to revise Prop 13 to help meet some of the academics and some of the other shortfalls. Right. Yet, you know, this law will force that issue. And so I can't see how a good Republican, if there are any, would be in favor of supporting it since they didn't want to do it before. And it seems like it's being forced down their throat. Not that that's a bad thing per se, but it is a bad thing because it does affect too many people here in my state with health care issues. But, I mean, as far as changing the property tax laws goes, and I realize the commercial aspect is probably bigger than, you know, the residential because many of your state businesses have been in this state for many, many years. No, the corporations are are making out like bandits on this. Joe, we're hitting a break here, but thanks thanks for the call. It's great to hear from you. We'll be back. We're coming up on on the, uh, the break here at the bottom of the hour. I'll be picking up your calls right after this. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. More of the news of the day and your calls right after this. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X chair want you to feel the X chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X, chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code TOM. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my X chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom, that's xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom.com, and be sure to use T-H-O-M as the promo code for your $100 discount. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back to the third hour of our program. Just a quick news recap. John Conyers has announced that he's stepping down from Congress. His son and his nephew, both with the last name of Conyers, are apparently going to run perhaps against each other for his seat. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm assuming that they're both Democrats, but, you know, you never know. Um, Arrests along the Mexico border, this in the Washington Post today, are at the lowest level in decades. And, uh, you know, you heard, and and in Ventura County, California, 45,000 acres are on fire right now. This is a big problem. We're broadcasting live from Social Security Works here in Washington, D.C., and Greg Simon is with me. He is the president of the Biden Cancer Initiative, the website is bidencancer.org. And uh, Greg, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being with us. It's, uh, so tell us about the, the, you know, the mission of bidencancer.org or the Biden Cancer. In fact, it's referred to as the Cancer Moonshot. Uh, that was the origin of it, for sure. Yeah. The, uh, in Obama's last State of the Union, he said we need a cancer moonshot to double our progress against cancer. And he put Joe Biden in charge of it. And in the White House cancer moonshot, our focus was how to get the government agencies that touch cancer, and there are about 20 of them, um, to work more together, to work with the private sector and academia and other countries to really double our rate of progress through some basic changes in the way we do research. Mm -hmm. The Biden Cancer Initiative is moving all of those same initiatives forward from our perch as a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, the government continues doing the cancer moonshot just without a coordinator. Really? Uh, so we, we were a coordinator. It hasn't been killed off yet? No, no. It's because it, it's in all the agencies. Yeah. It's run by career people. Mm. It was with, most of it was with existing dollars. Mm. But just before the Obama administration ended, 
Congress provided $1.8 billion authorization for the Cancer Moonshot recommendations for new spending. Mm -hmm. And the first year, $370 million has been appropriated. And there's enormous bipartisan support for that money to continue to be appropriated to do things like promote clinical trial networks for children's cancer, to promote testing people for certain genetic conditions that cause deadly cancer when you're in your 20s, that are for things like colon cancer that you wouldn't normally test for when you're that young. So when we left the White House, the agencies continued their work and the National Cancer Institute, the National Institutes of Health continue their work. There's just no one in the White House coordinating at all. But when we did the moonshot in the White House last year, um, we had a summit in June with 400 people here in Washington. But there were 7,000 people that attended 270 individual workshops in every state of the country, including Puerto Rico and Guam, which, as you know, are American territories. Yes. <laughs> there are a few people who apparently don't know apparently that. Apparently don't yeah. know that. Anyway. Um, and that was when we knew we were no longer just a government program. We were a movement. Yeah. And the Biden Cancer Initiative is designed to continue that movement by promoting data sharing data standards, which most people are surprised to know don't really exist in cancer today, and to change the way we do clinical trials, to make medical care and detection and diagnosis of cancer more ubiquitously available to every segment of our country, every population, and also around the world, um, and to help make cancer care affordable so that you don't have to lose your house in addition to losing your job and lose your savings if you want not to lose your life. Right. And that's a, hard, that's a hard thing to do. I'm not saying it's easy. But you would be depressed at how many people have to choose between one last shot at saving their life from cancer versus bankrupting their family. I, we did this show from Denmark a couple of years back. Uh, the Danish radio loaned us a studio for a week. And I was interviewing a, one of the leading conservative members of the Danish parliament on this program. And, and I was like, oh, you're a conservative. He said, yeah, I'm a hardcore conservative. And I said, so you must hate your national health care program, right? That should be privatized. It should be in the hands of the insurance companies. And he's like, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> and, and, and I said, well, you know, in the United States, we've done that. And the conservatives love it. And 50% of all bankruptcies in the United States are because somebody got sick. And he said, no. And I said, yeah. And he said, no, that's not possible. And, and I'm like, no, really? 50% of bankruptcies in the United States are because somebody got sick. And he said, how can that be? That's not possible. You've got to be making this up. I mean, he, he, he fought with me on the air for the better part of five minutes saying you've got, he thought I was setting him up. Absolutely. He thought I was making fun of him. So, you know, it's like people in the rest of the developed world can't even understand why we've got this. Exactly. But, but anyway, the, back to the Biden cancer initiative. No, you're absolutely right. Forgive my rant, but. Um, well, just for your point, the single biggest factor to determine who survives cancer is whether you have insurance. So when we talk blithely about the tax bill might throw 10 million people off of insurance, those 10 million people are now the most at risk for getting cancer. Right. And dying for being from destroyed it. by it. Being yeah. destroyed by it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. absolutely. And uh, so the, the, uh, the Biden cancer moonshot has gone forward. How can, how can people who, you know, are, I don't think there's a family in America that hasn't been touched by cancer. In there's one way not. Or another. There really isn't. And, and so, you know, there's, there's a built-in substantial constituency for the work that you're doing. How can people participate in the Cancer Moonshot or in the Biden Cancer Initiative? And, and what can we do to encourage those people in government who might, um, who might say, well, as the libertarians have historically said, you know, uh, that the government really has no business in healthcare, no business in cancer research. You should leave all that to Bayer and Squibb and Merck and you know, they know what they're doing, you know, leave it to the profit motive, leave it, leave, it to private, leave it to private industry. Right. Well, number one, there are no basic research discoveries that weren't government funded. None? None. Medical, uh, the for-profit medical drug industry uses the basic research the government pays for to figure out where to go next. Pharma companies don't pay people just to sit around, hypothesize, do studies in a dish, do studies in a rat. That's government-funded research, which is part of our system, and it has been since World War II. Government funds basic research. Industry takes it from there. 
So the idea that we can just get rid of the basic research part is like you can have a two-story house and no way to get to the second story. Right. It just doesn't work that way. But here's what people can do. We've started something on our website to turn fear into what we call fierce. Because when you're diagnosed with cancer, your first thing you feel is fear. Mm -hmm. And the second thing we want you to feel is fierce, that you can do this, that you can fight this, that your friends can help, that caregivers can help, your company can help, your employer can help, your neighbors can help. So we're asking people, go to our website, bidencancer.org, and send us a story at hashtag cancer fierce about your personal experience with cancer, mm -hmm. how you have helped people, how they may have helped you, people you may have lost and what you've learned from it. I am a leukemia survivor. Mm -hmm. uh, I you know, had the support of friends and family. A lot of people don't. Yeah. So the first thing I tell people is if you really want to help, you don't have to be in Washington. You don't have to be part of our team. But you are part of our team virtually. If you watch someone's kids while they go to their chemotherapy, mm -hmm. help them feed their dog, help feed their plants. People have day-to-day -day life that has to go on but then they have to go spend four hours every other week at a chemo lab or they can't get to work because they feel sick and they need someone to help cook dinner or help someone to clean their house. It's just empathy, Yep. which no, is I, in I, short supply. I've been in the there, done that. I had prostate cancer. My wife had breast cancer. We, I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. It's, it's a matter of empathy, which the yeah. whole country needs right now. Yeah. So hashtag cancer fears is our way of gathering stories of how people have turned fear into a fierce response. So okay, that, that's powerful stuff. So BidenCancer.org is the website. Greg Simon, the president of the Biden Cancer Initiative. Um, this is remarkable work you guys are doing. Thank you so much, Greg, for Thank being with us Thank you. My pleasure. Great having you Stay with. well. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Hopefully we'll both survive to a long age. We'll be right back. Stick around. Uh, Gary, in when, um, how do you say that town in Gary in Florida? Why, Mama? There you go. Hey, Gary, what's up? Hey, listen, I, I've called you before. It's been a couple of years now. Uh, I guess y'all moved? Yeah, we're, we're uh, mostly in Portland. I'm in D.C. right now, though. So what's up? Okay. Uh, well, listen, I like what Mr. saying. All this stuff about this government, it's all a reason to keep you blinded to what they're trying to do. You know, they want to have absolute power. It's the dollar that sit there and rules. That's the God that they worship. It's the dollar. Every person who says there yep. says worship God, you know, or anything like that, is sitting there saying about the dollar. That's what they worship. They, they don't give a crap about you if you live or die. You know, each individual is a dollar bill. You know, if you can buy that cell phone, if you can sit there and buy that water or buy that Pepsi or buy that hamburger, yeah, it, it's that that is absolutely the the Republicans governing philosophy, Gary. It's the old horses and sparrows. You know, you feed the oats to the horses they and want and uh, the economy. And, they and want the, the dollars sparrows eat one from, way. The, from the piles. I'm sorry, yeah, what'd you say, Gary? Yeah, you know that's what I was just saying. You know, people sit there saying about the homes and you know, you know these realtors ain't worried about it because believe it or not, they they have all this house and they charge a HOA so. These people are going to keep getting money throughout. The, as long as that house is still standing, the, all the, they're still going to get that money, that HOA. And you still, and the person who's buying that home is going to have to pay the taxes. Yeah. You know, and the people yeah, who it's built a, that home is so there is not re reaping any reward. They're they're working at low income to build that home. Yeah. No, I'm I'm, I'm with you, Gary. The the uh, the only people who are making out well in this economy right now are the top two or three percent. It's absolutely the case. Gary, thanks for the call. John watching Free Speech in Coso Mesa, California. Hey, John, what's up? Hi, Tom. Um, so uh, I'd like to try and stay positive here with uh, what's happening with this GOP tax scam. Um, I think the good that's coming out of it right now is we have the oligarchs who have fully exposed themselves now. Um, you know, we've had in the Reagan years and under the Bush tax cuts, we had enough exposure where people were starting to catch on, but now the greed and the entitlement and everything's pushed to a point where I think, at least according to polls, a lot more people are catching on. So this is going to create good movement because the millennials and I guess 
yes, they're calling them Gen Z, um, you know, these kids now don't have a place to go as much. You know, they're coming out of college, they have all this debt, they're in a situation where they don't have as much upward mobility as my generation, my parents' generation had. And, you know, these movements, these changes happen when these kids are on the streets, when they're upset, when they're frustrated. Um, so I think this is going to start moving that. I mean, the Koch brothers, the Mercers, these guys have done a really good job of kind of staying in the shadows for so long. But, you know, now they're... I think they're fomenting a revolution, I'm doing. I, you know, I, I agree. And, and not, not necessarily a violent revolution. In fact, probably not at all but certainly a, a, a major protest. John, thanks for the call. And thanks for watching Free Speech. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Corey listening to Sirius XM in Seattle. Hey, Corey, what's up? Hey, Tom, I'm actually on- uh, Continuing our conversation. Yeah. Hey, uh, I just wanted to see if uh, you could let us know any options there were to filibuster this tax bill. And I, I don't think you can, but could you just uh, run through that a little bit? Rant on like, sure. you know, what? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's the process. Um, the Senate bill is different from the House bill. And so when the, the two bodies pass the same you know legislation that, that ostensibly accomplishes the same purpose, in this case, making rich people richer and making working people poorer, but they do it yeah, in different I, I, ways. I understand one of them has then, the Anwar drilling in it, and one of them has the repeal of the ACA individual mandate. Right. Senate House, yeah. So then what happens is the, in this case, you know, the original bill started in the House, then the Senate created their own separate bill in the Senate. And so now it goes back to the House, and the House votes to do one of two things. The House can either say, okay, the Senate bill is fine with us, send it to the president. And if they do that, then the Senate doesn't have to vote again, and there's no possibility of a filibuster, and the bill just goes right off to the president. But the House did not do that. Instead, the House said, we're going, they voted to create a conference committee where, uh, where, the, where uh, Nancy Pelosi appoints uh, six or eight members. In fact, I read the names of them a little earlier. I think I, think I can probably still find them. And uh, yeah, in fact, here it is. Nancy Pelosi uh, put in Sander Levin and Richard Neal and Lloyd Doggett and Raul Grijalva and Kathy Castor. And then Paul Ryan put in Devin Nunes, Kevin Brady, Peter Roskam, Diane Black and Christy Noam, and Rob Bishop and Don Young and Greg Walden and John Shimkus. So apparently the Republicans get like almost twice as many people in the conference committee as the Democrats, if, if I'm reading this correct. I thought it was 50-50. Apparently I was wrong. And uh, the conference committee then does what's called reconciliation or reconciling the bill. They, they take these two bills and they, and they come up with a, basically a compromise between the two of them. But once they do that, then if it's, if it's different, even one word different from the original House bill or the original Senate bill, both bodies have to vote on it again. And there's a very good chance that when this bill comes out of conference committee that it will have lost some of the things that bought votes in the Senate. You know, like if they do away with Anwar drilling, Lisa Murkowski may be, you know, out of here. Um, and on the other hand, in the House of Representatives, you've got, you know, between the Freedom Caucus and the Main Street uh, Republicans, and this is all in Republican land. Democrats basically have no power over this unless it goes, well, even if it goes back to the Senate, as long as it's done by reconciliation, they only need 50 votes. So this is all about uh, Republicans, Corey. And, and if, pretty much all if this bill comes out of reconciliation, a couple of Republicans, huh? Pardon? And they, they pretty much have those 50 votes unless they lose a couple of Republicans, as you said. And I think there's a very good chance they will lose a couple of Republicans, particularly if enough people call enough Republicans. I mean, Jeff Flake is saying, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll vote for this thing if you give me a little DACA stuff later on. And Mitch McConnell's not going to do that. Um, you know, and Susan Collins, oh, just give people in Maine a $10,000, uh, you know, maximum, uh, you know, loophole or not. It's not really a loophole, tax deduction for real estate taxes. And it's like, OK, we could do that. Don't worry. They're just basically throwing bones to people. These are fig leaves. These are not real serious legislative efforts. So we'll see Did where this goes. Corey, thank you for the call. Jeff in Grand Rapids. Hey, Jeff, we another call from Grand Rapids today. What's on your mind? I, Tom, a couple things. I'm still concerned um, about the CFPB uh, with Richard Cordry stepping down and 
Um, I haven't heard anything about the judge, the Trump-appointed judge, the decision if it has been made yet. And then the second thing is the Gill versus Whitford gerrymandering in Wisconsin, Tom. And I'll hang up and listen. Um, just wondered if you have any more information on those. Jeff, I'm uh, with regard to uh, Mick Mulvaney running the CFPB right now, uh, the Trump-appointed judge said that it's okay for Mulvaney to stay there until a higher court reviews this. So this, this is going, uh, presumably this is being appealed. I'm assuming that uh, Leanne English, who's the person that Richard Cordray made the head of the CFPB, I'm assuming she's going to continue with this lawsuit. I hope she is. So we'll find out on that. And your second question, I'm sorry, remind me. Gill uh, versus Whitford. Uh, oh yeah, Supreme I don't know anything. I'm 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 not familiar with that that case. Uh, can you tell me something about it, Jeff, real quick? Uh, yes, it's uh, the gerrymandering uh, about the gerrymandering in Wisconsin, and uh, they think Kennedy um, he's going to have the swing vote, and uh, I believe they're still having amicus oh. and stuff. But right, yeah, this is the case before the Supreme Court. I'm, I'm sorry, sure. I thought I yeah, I thought you were talking about a Wisconsin case. Um, uh, you know, I don't know where that's going to go, but if the Supreme Court rules that gerrymandering purely for political purposes is inappropriate or even unconstitutional, which I think is unlikely given that gerrymandering has been going on since 1790, but if they rule that, it would transform America overnight, um, you know, because you've got all these states that are sending mostly Republicans to Congress when mostly Democrats are voting in those states. And I mean, that's true of Wisconsin, it's true of Michigan, it's true of Pennsylvania, I believe it's true of Ohio. And, and uh, it, would, it would blow that up. And that's why I think it's not going to happen, because they've got Neil Gorsuch on the court, they've got John Roberts on the court. Um, you know, they've got this five-vote uh, conservative majority in there. They're, of course, they want to add another one or two on there. So um, I'm skeptical. But we'll see. This is one of those wait-and-see things, Jeff. Jeff, thanks for the call. It was a great question. Eddie in uh, California City, California. Hey, Eddie, what's up? Yes, good morning, Mr. Hartman, and God bless you and your family and the entire person at your staff for being on the greatest program in the entire world. Uh, I have three Thanks. comments to make. One, Eddie, I think we're short on time. I'm, I, I'm not sure how much time I have to the end of the show, but I think it's probably about a minute. Disabled person. Oh, no, no, we are more short on time than I thought. Eddie, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to ask you to call back tomorrow. Eddie, my, my, my sincere apologies. I missed my time cue. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, here at Social Security Works. Uh, thanks, Social Security Works, their website, socialsecurityworks.org. Uh, it's been a great day, and we will be back tomorrow from yet another location here in Washington, D.C. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. That includes you. Get out there, get active, tag. You're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.